Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventures and Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. Episode number 73 of the Dark Zone. This is the fourth episode coming from Bootstock Racing's Endless Mountains. Four episodes in four days. Trust me, I'm getting tired of hearing my voice also. But hang in there. This is a good one. I corralled four volunteers to talk about their experience, both volunteering for the race, what they learned about adventure racing, and how it impacts them as racers and as fans of the sport. So thank you to Jim, Misty, Ainsley, and Shelly for joining the Dark Zone for this episode. Special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Clinton County Visitors Bureau. Bootstock Racing could not have asked for a better partner as they put together the Endless Mountains, the five-day, 120-hour race trekking all throughout the wilds of Pennsylvania. Fantastic hosts, and thank you to everybody. So sit back and relax and enjoy another episode direct from the Endless Mountains. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. Um, once again, coming to you direct from the Endless Mountains Adventure Race, day four of the race. Those of you following at home, on Monday we had Zoe Friedland, Adventure Race expert with her advice. Tuesday was the Racer Palooza. Wednesday was the expert panel. And today we come to our volunteers. Um, for those of you new, who are new to adventure racing, volunteers are the heart and soul of the sport. Without volunteers, there would not be adventure races. These are people who give up their time, sometimes hours, sometimes days, sometimes an entire week to come out and spend time at an adventure race. We are joined by Jim, Misty, Ainsley, and Shelly. So four volunteers, thanks for being here. We appreciate you, uh, the time that you're giving to the Endless Mountains. We appreciate you being on the podcast. Hopefully today you could share your wisdom about what you see in TAs, what teams could be doing better. If you're racers yourselves, feel free to talk about that. If you're connected to racers in other ways, feel free to talk a bit about that. Um, what I will do is I will uh, sort of call you out, there's four of you here, so rather than have you look at each other awkwardly who's gonna answer questions, I will ask a question, I'll go from my right to my left. Feel free to jump in on that. So Shelly, based on where you sat, you are on my right. Um, so let me begin by talking about your motivation to volunteer. What brings you out here for an entire week? Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Brent and Abby. Let, let's cut to the chase. Uh, Rootstock is um, an organization that really provides adventure racers a lot of entry points, um, the shorter races, the road games, and then the big monsters, which is this. So, um, And I find that adventure racers are my people. So it's a new role. I'm usually racing, but volunteering has been great. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. how you, that was your, your entry mm -hmm. point to volunteering is that you're a racer yourself. Yes. Right, so yes. tell us a bit about your racing experience. What have you done? How long have you been racing? Uh, I've been racing for more than five years. Um, I like the expedition races. Uh, the, um, and I had an injury this year, so I'm on the, the bench, so to say. So I've been volunteering a lot. This gotcha. Year. Yep. And, and so your idea of jumping into the race, this gives you a chance that while you rehab your injury, yeah. you get to keep your toe in the adventure racing community water. Yeah, I do. And actually learned some things that I had never considered um, about the behind the scenes um, situation, as well as uh, transitions um, have always been something that I know can make or break a race. Um, and it's been interesting to observe the different emotions at TAs. Gotcha. To your point, you're right. The, the Seeing a race from this side, from the mm -hmm. five day, from the span of the race, Mm -hmm. from being a racer to being a volunteer it's two separate worlds and it's seeing behind the scenes is something else and we're going to come back to the things okay. you've learned so think yeah. a bit about that all right Ainsley what brings you out here um, I'm here to support my dad and his team and hang out with my family what's your dad's name Jason Glenn and what's his team 
Uh, trust the compass. And how are they doing so far during the race? They're doing pretty good. Way better than he did last year. Very nice. Yeah. So they're having a really good experience yes. this year. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Misty, yeah. what brings you out here? Uh, so my husband is Jason Glenn with Trust the Compass. So I am out here with my two girls supporting Jason and his team to help this week. Jim Roundsley. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Quite the accent that you have on you. Where are you coming from and how long have you been here? I'm coming from Telford in England. I'm here for a month visiting friends in America. Brent and Abby have done our Itera race, I think, four times back in the UK. So I'm just returning the compliment, really. It happened to be while I was on holiday. So I've traveled, I don't know, three and a half thousand miles to give up a week of my time because <laughs> I enjoy it. And, and all four of you are here for the full week, am I correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And so, and for those at home, the, the Endless Mountains is a 120-hour, five-day race. It starts at Monday morning at 10.08 a.m., if we want to remember correctly, the 26th of June, and it finishes this coming Saturday at 10.08 a.m. at Lycoming College in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Clearly, as volunteers, you see the whole entire swath of how the race goes and how the race works. While I do want to come to your learnings as a racer, Shelley, mm -hmm. I am curious, and any of the four of you can jump in on this, what have you learned about the dynamic with the racers? How the racers work with each other, how they do their... Angie's eyes just got really big when I said that, so she might want to volunteer an answer there. But what have you learned about adventure racing from watching the adventures move through the race? So, uh, this is Misty. So, you know, it is crucial to have a team that supports each other um, and knows when, you know, it, there are going to be faults that happen on the course. There's going to be things that happen at a TA that maybe slow you down a bit, but to pick each other back up and let's move forward. Let's fix our mistakes. Let's um, learn from our mistakes and try not to do them again. Um, but I think that teamwork is just absolutely crucial and can make or break a race, honestly. So how the team works together because they, they live with each other for those 120 hours. Right? Yeah. Angel, when I asked that question, your eyes got big. What were you thinking? Um, I really wasn't thinking that much. I was just thinking like about essentially what my mom said <laughs> and how she, um, it's essentially like a make or break kind of thing because you got to build up a bonding relationship because if you're not going to get together for those 120 hours, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jim, what have you seen? Oh, I've been doing this quite some time, like 28 years, so I've seen all sorts of emotions and teams explode and implode because of that team dynamic it is almost the most important after navigation skill um, for adventure racing. If the team can't function together, if you can't give that person space or if you can't pick that person up mm. or if you're not willing to take their pack because they're slower for whatever reason, you're just not going to make it to the end. It's not about speed over the ground. It's even more than a, a mental sport. If you haven't got that mental capacity to deal with situations, you're not gonna succeed. And I think that speaks to the idea of the teams. I've seen over the course of, of my racing as both as a racer and a volunteer, there are teams that are physically the strongest teams on the course that never make it, right? They, something happens there, this is not a pure brute force sport and as a result you have to have more than just physical strength. Shelly what do you think? Oh I feel <laughs> it's, it's more feeling at this stage in the race for me. I, I haven't witnessed suffering without being able to help before in my life. Uh, my, my profession as a teacher, my role as a mother, 
uh, a good friend to many, uh, and I just find myself wanting to jump out of my car and just walk with people for an hour. Uh, today I drove my car five very, very slow and just played the loudest music I could for two people that were walking. And that's all you can do. They asked me how many miles, and I knew they had 10 miles left, and I just said, just a few, because you really, I mean, you want to honor the, their journey. You don't want to shorten it or, you know, offer them a ride because they, they need to decide how to how to race. Well, that's the hard thing about being a volunteer yeah. is that, is, and, <laughs> and I, I think that four of you can capture it better than I can. As volunteers, we're in very, very unique positions yeah. where we are, we're, we're race staff and our job is to let the racers race be the race. Okay. And as a result, we can't advice, guidance, direct help, yeah. things like that. Yes, Jim? Anything that we do for a racer, we have to be willing and able to do for every single racer. Mm -hmm. If you were there handing out, is it jelly beans? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you give it to the first guy, you've got to have enough jelly beans and you've got to stay there till everyone's gone through. We have to treat everyone the same. Mm -hmm. So it, that, that can be hard at times. Well, because to Shelley's point, we're, we're helpers by nature, right? Mm -hmm. We are volunteering, yeah. like we are giving of yeah, our yeah, time. Yeah. And we want to give more of ourselves. So it's very hard as a volunteer sometimes to sit back and let the race unfold, especially if there's a family connection. I'm happy to read that, that your, your father and your husband are doing so well. Right, yeah. I mean, if to see him in a transition, if he was completely blown, it would be very hard on you. Yeah. Right? But he's having a very strong race. Oh, yeah. And we've seen that before. Um, and it's hard whenever you, you know, they come into a TA and they're discouraged and the team is, you feel like is imploding. Um, and about to explode and so you're you're trying to figure out a way oh here can I can I hold that for you can I do this for you and you can't you have to step back and let them figure it out and um, sometimes that's you know it's hard it is hard to do but I think that also makes them stronger when they do figure out okay here's what we have to do as a team here you know and even if it's a hey guys you need to figure this out and work as a team um, sometimes it's just those words of encouragement that maybe will hopefully uh, bring them together. Sometimes not, but um, it's hard to step back and just let them, you know, figure it out and, and watch it play out before you. So, so you're witnesses to the experience. Uh, as a volunteer, it's a lot easier if you haven't got that connection. Right. Because yes. Yes. although I, I know quite a few of the racers from previous um, events, you have to just be able to step back and almost mm -hmm. watch them implode and hope they switch on and they help and they start functioning as a team. And that's from a fairness perspective, like you mm -hmm. do one, you do for all, but also I think that's from a personal journey perspective on their part. Mm -hmm. Like our job is to facilitate that journey, right? right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that being said, what are some of the jobs that you're asked to do as volunteers? What have you been, now Shelly, this entire week, what have you been driving? Oh, I am now very talented and skilled at driving a 25-foot truck. Which yes. has been filled usually with what? Uh, bike boxes. There might be other things back there, but I, I'm assuming bike boxes and gearboxes. Um, it's been great. Uh, and other than that, I've been driving my truck and um, taking the course marshal around, um, visiting TAs. Um, today, our race directors need to eat, and you know, that means we just go find food and bring it back um, and make them eat because otherwise loading, they don't. Loading and unloading kits. Yeah. And because we're in America, the bags are bigger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's bigger in the I, I am feeling it. I was put in charge, for whatever reason, of weighing these boxes before they got put on the trucks. <laughs> and they are they are all underweight. Yes, but the weights are quite heavy. Correct. 
they also get more boxes here per race. Mm -hmm. So I've yeah. usually been accustomed to sharing one box and there's a team of four and everybody's got a quadrant and that's it. Um, so here every person can have their own box. So, so it's worth explaining for the person at home who might be curious <laughs> about how expedition racing works is yeah. there are a series of stages. That yes. And these stages consist of either a paddling, there's trekking and there's cycling. As a result of those stages, teams will use their paddling gear at one section, which is then packed up at the end of that section, has to be transported further down the course. And then like, there's this hopscotch leapfrog thing going on where bikes and gear buttons mm -hmm. and transport have to be meet the racer down there. And that logistically, that's really hard because I mean, in the second night of the race, we were all moving in different directions, moving mm -hmm. gear, not moving gear, who's here, who's there. Um, I want to think there's over 20 volunteers this week mm -hmm. um, between the, the five day people versus people coming in for an hour. Well over 20 people are giving up their time to come support that sport. Um, and that really says something about the people that are willing to do it. Some are adventure racers, some are folks just like to give of themselves, some are spouses. Um, so if you think about volunteering out there, it's a great way to learn about adventure racing, great way to learn about the sport. Correct. And yeah. that being said, Shelly, let's come back to you a little bit. Having watched the race unfold this week, what have you learned? Oh, wow. What have I learned? <laughs> um, hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I've just observed teamwork uh, from a unique standpoint, once again, just observing. I'm, I'm a fly on the wall. Um, and so you would think that TAs, in my experience, have been pretty quiet. Everybody knows what they need to do. Um, some of the TAs, people have just kind of um, been a little bit more casual. Um, but I see that they're restoring what they need to do to get back out on the course. So um, I've seen a variety of, of different things. I think that um, the bikers really love biking and they don't like trekking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then the, the paddle section um, was really hot. I think there's been several podcasts about how that first stage really um, led to some folks getting on the struggle bus earlier than they were used to. Um, and and that's I've, I've learned that, you know, um, that the weather in addition to route choice, um, because I haven't dot watched as closely other races as I have this one. And I was like, where are they going? <laughs> so just learning about route choice, which would help me as a navigator. Right, and that was one thing we noticed if, if folks want to go back and listen to the Tuesday episode, which right. was the race of Palooza mm -hmm. and excuse all the sound issues. It was what it was. Disclaimer again. Um, if you listen to the race of Palooza, it was amazing how for 13 hours into the race, how blown those teams were, that they were really worked after yeah. such a food. It was a hot day. It was a fast yeah. start. Yeah. But, and here's a good learning for the adventure racer out there that those teams that were struggling at hour 13 were great at hour 30. They got some food, they had a good stage, they recovered. And one thing you see inside the adventure race as a volunteer, you see the you see a team go through a high, they're doing great, hitting a low, and we see them again, They because we see them intermittently. They're mm -hmm. in a TA and then they leave to go out on the course. Jim, what do you think? Um, yeah, the, the, the racers get a journey experience and we get a snapshot yeah. experience. So you do see this, this very marked up and down um, and it's quite interesting seeing the way how some teams come in to transition and they're all talking or telling each other what they're, they're going to do other teams where you're telling other people what to do and then you get the teams that just seem to do they'll come in won't say anything necessarily about uh, get this water bottle do we need this piece of kit and um, it's I think it comes with experience. <laughs> if you're a hardened team that have been doing it for years, you just know that X does the water, Y is very good at putting bikes together, mm -hmm. so they might put two bikes together to allow X to do the water, and it's that management of time. Also, on these longer races, it's incredible, to, considering they are racing, 
how long some teams will just sense, uh, spend sitting in transition, what we back home call faffing. They'll be moving things from bags to boxes, then back to the bag and to the boxes because their minds are slightly messed up, so they're not really thinking straight. <laughs> and it's, de it's them dealing with those sorts of situations. And on top of that too, there are some teams, and we, and we see it unfold as a volunteer and you can't get involved in it, that they go from racing to no longer racing and they get too comfortable in a transition area and you want to be like, you want to say to them, time to go, like, oh, yeah. the clock's ticking. And, and I, I will, full disclosure, sometimes volunteers will use those passive aggressive, completely legal means and be like, kind of like, oh, look, the time's passing, time to get going. Because teams begin to settle in, especially if they go near the fire, which is pillow rock, right? Yeah. You, you, you crash up on there, you never, you never make it out again. Shout out to Jonathan Neely for making up that expression. Mm -hmm. But you're right, though. Like, and there are teams. So a lesson Ch for the events eraser out there. Chairs, chairs can actually almost stop people. You give somewhere, someone somewhere comfortable, and they're going to be there for 45 minutes when mm -hmm. really they only need 20. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's been analysis done on the data from the tracking. And some teams on this sort of race can spend a third of their time in transition. Yeah. Which is incredible yeah. when you yeah. think about that, that they're leaving that yeah. much time on the course because ultimately this is a race. It's a journey. It's a lot mm -hmm. of different things, but there's point A to point B over 120 hours. The goal is to get as many checkpoints as possible and as soon as possible and see where you fall in the rankings. Yeah. Yeah. After my first expedition race, one of my the captain said, okay, now go home and every single thing you didn't use on this race, put aside and take a picture of it and that's what you need in an expedition race and so some of the things i'm observing too is they're they're struggling making decisions because they didn't do a gear check that was truly um bare bones a gear check means you, you you're not no you're not bringing that well, and, there's, and, there's, and there's a point there too where yeah. you if you bring too much stuff there's choice paralysis it, yes so, so ironically enough having less actually leads to more Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you, you racers out there, can you please make those decisions because it makes those boxes yeah. lighter. I don't race. I haven't raced much, but I did do a four-day um, stage race across the UK, 19 stages, and the the winner um, happened to be the world champion at the time. He's uh, Stuart Lynch, the New Zealand guy. Yep. Every time I saw him, and I saw him every day because of the structure of the race wearing the same clothes. It didn't matter whether he was running, whether he was biking, whether he was paddling, he had the same kit on. He didn't have that decision of, am I going to wear my black shorts or my grey shorts? Am I going to wear, combine it with the red top or the blue top? Mm -hmm. It was grab the clothes and go. It's all about moving. Interesting dynamic we're seeing unfold here a little bit is, and this is, this is hyper technical and, and really specific, the fact that we're noticing more and more racers are using platform pedals on their bicycles without using clipless pedals. Where, and so they're wearing the same shoes the entire race, which they're finding helps them in a great way because one dynamic we saw in the stage one was checkpoint 16, which was had to do with the waterfall. People that were in bike shoes had a tough time on the slipperiness. And plus, if you walk a lot in bike shoes, that adds to your foot issues. And so I, even myself too, I have a big race coming up in August and I'm considering possibly trying out platforms maybe with straps on them and leaving the same shoes on the entire Power race. Power straps are awesome. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's when that we're seeing that more and more of that. And that was the first time Mark Latanzi, who's a pretty popular racer, he's the first person I know who used platforms. And it and it's funny, you could sort of see that spreading through the sport now. Like I'm talking about it, it's on the podcast, people are trying it. Let's check back in eighteen months. No, platform pedals might be the way that people are going. One question that I asked the adventure racers on Tuesday night, I think it's your comments are interesting. There are there are many components to adventure racing, but there are really three big things we focus on, on our sleep strategy, 
on our nutrition and our body care, like our feet, our undercarriage, all of that. From your experience as, as volunteers and what you see people do, the people that take care of those three things the best, how do they, what do you see in transition that really helps take care of sleep, nutrition, and body care? I think just taking the time to um, you know, make sure that you are eating, that you are getting that refuel before the next leg or the next checkpoint, um, making sure that you have that cream on your feet or you're changing your socks or whatever you need. I mean, that again, that, that can make or break how you, that leg of the race is going to end and how you uh, that next transition is going to be. And like we said before, transition points are, are huge and sometimes can really take up a lot of your time. Um, and you have teams passing you if you wind up getting too complacent and kind of just uh, sitting, waiting for socks to dry or whatever. You need to have that plan in place of, okay, here's what I'm going to use for this and here's what I'm going to put on. And, <laughs> or maybe I just wear the same thing, but just reapply creams and you know do my foot care. Um, it, it can really um, have an effect on on how the next 10, 12, 18 hours play out for you. What do you think, Jim? Um, going to the care, your personal care, there's a very well-known Swedish team that when they go into transition, it's a squad, so it's not every time. Um, if this particular racer is racing, his job in transition is his foot care. Mm -hmm. Because if he looks after his feet, he's absolutely awesome, will fly. But the team know from previous races, if he doesn't, he'll fall apart, his feet will fall apart. So the team will do the, the transition, let him do his feet. And once he's done his feet, he can then do other team activities. But looking after yourself means you're looking after the team. Right. And I think that's a good point. Like when you ask for help during a race, you're, you aren't necessarily betraying to your team that I can't do it. You're saying to your team, I need some help and you're helping the entire team out. Right. Because the huge issue we have sometimes is that people hang in there too long and they suffer in silence and then they either implode or explode, right? Yeah. right? So the communication is really important. Um, I also noticed too on that point about foot care, which is integral to successful racing, is the moment that teams come into transition, wet socks come off, wet shoes come off, they have a towel to dry their feet and then they put on either or sandals or God forbid they put on Crocs and they're able to walk around the transition area mm -hmm. and they dry their feet out right. and they try to get you know dry socks back on. Yeah, yeah. Huge part of that. Yeah. Um, Shelly, what do you think? I was just kind of flipping it uh, on ourselves as a team. We're a team, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so we're more than halfway through the week. Um, I think all of us have seen too many donuts, um, too much pizza. Um, right. And then yesterday and the day before, you know, people started getting their own workouts in. Um, and you saw my water today, but I'm, you know, uh, I'm training for a race, so I'm trying to drink as much water. And it was... He put yeah, his yeah. During, during transition today, one of our little fellows in, in yeah. transition. So he, I think he, he, just turned, he just turned four years old this past week. <laughs> he made the point to put his hand directly into Shelly's water. Up to his wrist. I know, I know, yeah, and that's yeah. teamwork. That's um, teamwork, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and so that comes from a really honest, natural place for I think all of us. Once again, being helpers. Um, but more and more, I'm I'm asking not have you eaten, but how did you sleep? Have you have you exercised? Um, I, I, I don't yeah. think I've heard or seen one. Um, volunteer with a car, I don't have a car with me, who goes off site to get something, always without fail, goes around the group, who needs something, what do you need yeah. and we come back and it's just looking off because the, these racers are in teams of four but as Brian said we're a team of 20 yeah. and you've got, and if one of us goes down it just makes it harder for the rest of us so we've got to look after each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have to support your family. Yeah. And, and what happens here inside of the 120 hours is that this becomes a, this becomes a short-lived, high-intense community. Absolutely. Right? You know, 35 teams, 110 racers, 20 volunteers. That's 130 plus everybody else. There's 150 people. Yeah. And plus there's thousands of people outside of this little bubble that are watching what's happening inside this bubble. Right. And so we get to be part of something pretty special. Yeah. Ainsley, you've been very quiet, but I know you're a thinker. What are you thinking right now? Um, I'm thinking about how, like, we're essentially a, uh, we're essentially a family for this next for these entire five days, not just like the teams, but the entire like the volunteer group as well. We're all 150 people of us. We're all one big family, and you gotta support each other. Because if one person go down, goes down, we can all go down. So, <laughs> on on that note, what yeah. is it about? What is it about this? Do you think like to kind of go a level up, right? We, we're talking very practicality, foot mm -hmm. care, eating, yeah. sleeping. All that. What do you, what what drives people to do this? What do you what 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 itch does this scratch for the volunteers and for the racers that we elect to do this? why they come back time and time again for 28 years it's nice to help people yeah mm -hmm. that's the bottom line i you get that sort of personal satisfaction because if you weren't there they couldn't do what they enjoy mm -hmm. simple mm -hmm. yeah i think alongside that too i think what we get to be witness to is the fact that there are people out here who are doing things that they thought would be impossible to them like they're right now, and I and I, I get choked up thinking about it. There are people on this course right now who who heard about adventure racing, read about it, talked about it, and something inside them said, "I want to go do it." And now they're doing it, and and it's the, and it's the hardest type of doing, right? We're gonna see for the folks at home. It's a quiet transition right now, but the teams are on the biggest trek right now. And in over the course of the next several hours, it could be anywhere from five to ten to twelve hours, they're gonna come pouring into this TA. And the sun's going to go down, and we're going to see them really kind of raw because there's a lot of the race that's still left in front of them. Right. But to your point, we get to be witnesses to them being different people. Yeah, yeah. We went. Uh, one of the mar other marshals and I were going to go out for a quiet pre-event dinner mm -hmm. just so we could absolutely stuff ourselves full. So we, because you know, you never know when you're going to eat. And two racers asked if they could come as well. So this is totally before anything had happened. Um, sitting down, and they were two novice racers. And when they were chatting to us um, and they realized we'd done a few they were asking well what about this what about that and one of them at the last transition came bouncing over to me with his lid of his box <laughs> and he said look look and he'd actually gone and he taped all the little things on top of his box because during that meal we were just talking about how you help organize yourself and that, that made me feel so nice because i'd helped him in a legal way, please, Mr. Referee. But there's lots of things that we as marshals can pick up, and you could, if you just talk to people, it, you, know, you can help them as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I, I think in, inside this very small world, we help people to become the best version of themselves, mm -hmm. right? and people that that they can never be, and that's and that's an amazing, almost dare I say, magical, miraculous thing to see. People yeah. just come alive. There will be people on Saturday when the race is over who will be different as a result of this experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as an ex-teacher, for me, it's almost therapy. Because mm -hmm. when I was teaching, you know, kids don't always necessarily want to do the things you need to do to get through your curriculum. And yet these guys come up and say, well, what do you want us to do, Jim? Well, I'd like to um, paddle across this lake, then run up this mountain. Oh, great. Okay, I'm off. And they're so positive, even when they're hitting those lows. They just want to do that mm -hmm. next bit. Mm -hmm. Therapy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to 
we want to think, do things in transition, so I want to respect your time, but Shelly, I have a service to the racer that's out there right now, the adventure racer. Yeah. Some of the granular lessons that you learn that you will say to somebody, listen, I've seen this as a volunteer, and I really suggest that you do this during a race to be successful. What are some of those things you'd recommend to people? Um, I think recognizing uh, your pain tolerance and that you can push through something. I mean, my comment cheering someone on today was like, I know, I don't even know her, but I know you've been in more pain than this. This is temporary. And, and so you just got to have some mantras. Um, I, I remember a lot of us were all awake for the first 30 hours, just like the racers. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I would say to that is that the, the mantras that racers have, you mean at this point in the race? Yeah. Yeah. What are they saying to themselves right now to get to the finish line? Yeah, I, big selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's. I mean, I think my background was I was an ultra. I love running, um, so it's always run the mile you're in. And so I think they're just moving stage to stage and saying, what can we accomplish here, and then and then, what can we accomplish there? So. And I think that's a really good mental strategy. The idea that you don't need to do the entire race at one time. You just need to get no. through this next section, mm -hmm. get to the next checkpoint, get the next flag, mm -hmm. get the next transition area, move on to the next thing. And also, too, is we, we last night Jason Magnus mentioned this in our the podcast we about, about time dilation. Yeah. But after the third day, and because you don't have access to the outside world as part of your racing, Correct. is that the the it's only evening and day, evening and day, and that's yeah. it. And there's and there's nothing else in between. And the race is actually three days long. There's day one when you start, mm -hmm. the last day, day three, when you're finishing, and the rest is a day. One big day. <laughs> right. <laughs> One big day. We had a, a lovely conversation with some of the, the other marshals, and this, you know, this was the sort of topic of conversation. We're on day middle. Mm -hmm. Because you know, this transition could be open for 24 plus mm -hmm. hours. The, the last one I was at, um, it was open for over two nights. First team came in on the evening of one night we were open all the next day and into the next night as well mm -hmm. and this is this is common mm -hmm. but that's what we do exactly well I, I appreciate you coming on the dark zone thank you for being such volunteers thank you for your service to the sport it's been fantastic to have you here what I want to close out here is I, I want Ainsley I want you to finish up with us here give us some thoughts for the adventure racer what do you think um, I think that if you're gonna do it you gotta do it to have fun and I mean you can be competitive but your number one thing is you gotta have fun and you gotta love what you're doing, or else it's just not gonna be as fun. You gotta get along with the people you're with and love them. Well, there you have it. Thanks to our volunteers for volunteering to be on the show. Hope you took something away from it. We love the work that they are doing and glad that you are here. Once again, thank you to this episode's sponsor, Clinton County Visitors Bureau in Pennsylvania, playing host to the Endless Mountains. They've been fantastic to work with. And everybody, please check out the Clinton County Visitors Bureau. Thanks for being a listener. If you like what you hear, head over to your favorite streaming platform and subscribe and like and click and do all of those fun things. The Dark Zone exists to help the adventure racing sport move forward, and we're glad to play our role. Keep training and keep racing. And above all, be safe.